So over the, over the past few weeks, we've been looking at the, the New Testament church and how it spread throughout the Roman Empire. Last week, um, Ali was talking about um, how a resource church was, was kind of birthed and what a resource church looks like, the characteristics of a resource church um, to help us think about the different types of churches that they are and how they're interconnected and how when God moves, the systems and structures get put in place as the gospel moves along with that. So if you weren't here last week, I'd encourage you to listen to that talk. It's very important. And so we're thinking about the body of Christ. Um, we've talked about this a few weeks, so I'll not really cover it in particular, but <coughs> the, ecclesi- <coughs> the Ecclesia. And um, our statement as a church, our vision is to help rewrite the story of Craig Avon, Ireland and the nations with the good news of the kingdom of God. And that statement is really important because what it does is it links us um, with the 2,000 years of history beforehand where the gospel was being preached, where um, God was moving, where lives were being changed and transformed. And um, it, it connects us with that same story, is that we are st- still involved in fulfilling the Great Commission, of spreading the good news uh, about Jesus. And um, in Acts 15 and 16, we're going to see some stuff uh, about what God was doing uh, at that time and allow God to speak to us through that. So... Um, Something quite funny happened to me this week. Um, I was thinking about this passage and, and speaking on it, and I actually had a dream that I was preaching a sermon, and it was on this passage, and I felt that God gave me a couple of things specifically in that dream, or a, a certain focus that I hadn't had up until that point about what I want to teach about today. So um, it's quite funny, um, This pas- part of this passage is about somebody else who has a dream, and um, God speaks to them, and they end up going to Macedonia. I am not going to Macedonia, um, but I do feel that God has given me a few little bits and pieces. Um, so I would love for you to, first of all, look at Acts uh, 15, verses 36 to 41, uh, and the words are on the screen as well. And this is really just for a bit of background, a bit of context, um, but... Um, Paul and Barnabas were in Antioch, which is where we kind of left off last week about that being a resource church, Um, and they had taught and preached the word uh, of the Lord. And so sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, let us go back and visit the believers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. Barnabas wanted to take John, uh, also called Mark, with them, but Paul did not think it wise to take him because he had deserted them in um, Pamphylia and had continued and not continued with them in the work. Uh, They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus, but Paul took Silas and left, commended by the believers to the grace of the Lord. He went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. And so the context of this is that there's a bit of a disagreement, uh, and they go on on their separate ways. And I'm going to come back to that Um, But what I want to focus on is the fact that that Paul has decided he's going to go back through the churches, he's going to strengthen the churches and um, encourage them. And so off he goes to do that. And so if we read on uh, in chapter 16, we read um, that Paul came to Derb and then to Lystra, where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was Jewish 
and a believer whose father was a Greek. The believers in Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. Paul wanted to take him along on the journey, so he circumcised him because of the Jews who lived in that area, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. As they traveled from time to time, they delivered the decisions reached by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem for the people to obey. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and grew daily in numbers. And so what I want to do for a lot of this morning is to focus on Timothy. Paul is traveling from town to town, village to village, and he brings Timothy along with him. And so Timothy is somebody who had spiritually matured, he'd come to faith, um, and he has a bit of a proven track record. And in fact, in our passage, it, it tells us that. It tells us that um, the, the believers spoke well of him. So he was, he was known and a person of faith. And so this young guy gets invited along on the journey with um, Paul. And what, what I felt God really put on my heart today was this, this fella, and he's probably maybe 16, 17 years old. We know he's not very old. He has an opportunity to go on an adventure with Paul. And what I feel God put on my heart is that this is what we call a threshold moment. And if you don't know what a threshold is, some of you might have been carried over one. Um, but it's really... Um, we would call them door saddles or things like that nowadays. But it's the bottom of a door. The step at the bottom of a door is a threshold. And um, a physical threshold takes us from one point to another, from one room to another. Um, it's basically a doorstep and a door frame. And the word threshold is used to describe the point at which a new journey or a new adventure begins. And so you'll hear things like they're on the threshold of, or you know, somebody was, was maybe trying to discover something and they're on the threshold of a new breakthrough. They're at a point, a transition point, from one reality to another. And threshold is also used slightly different, uh, it's used in a number of different ways, but one of them is the magnitude or intensity that must be exceeded for a certain reaction phenomenon, result, or condition to occur or to be manifested. So there's, there's a point at which you get to. Threshold power is very often talked about. And beyond that, you're going to break through into a new reality. And so life is full of threshold moments, big ones and small ones. And, and what it does is it takes us very sort of physically from one reality to another. We're at the threshold. You come up to somebody's door, you stand on the step, you're going to come, go from outside to inside, from inside to outside, you're going to leave one reality and move in to another reality. And most threshold transitions that we have in life are good, but some are, are maybe more difficult. We know we're going to have to change. We're going to go from here to there. And uh, I was thinking about this in a little way. Um, for years in our church, after church, Quite often, somebody would run up to either me or Debbie, and they would say, one of your children is stuck in a tree. And we would say, all right. And they would go, no, but one of your children's stuck in a tree. But yeah, 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 having a wee conversation here. I'll get to that eventually. And so we'd go outside uh, in our old church uh, down the Mahan Road, and, and one of our children would be stuck in a tree. It was a very normal kind of weekly event, really. Um, and you'd be like, which one is it? Is that definitely... Uh, 
And then sometimes it wasn't even my child. Be like, no, that's not mine. Just go back inside and leave the child because somebody else's responsibility. But I don't know if you've ever tried to get a child out of a tree, but you get up there and there's a point at which a transition needs to happen. They need to let go from their current reality, which is I am stuck, to I am going to be rescued. But even though it would be good for them to leave that moment of hanging on, they find it difficult. And you're like, they're like, I don't want to let go, I don't want to let go. Like, well, you're stuck up a tree. Do you want to stay in the tree forever? No, you don't. So something's going to change. And that's a threshold moment. You've got to let go, and we're going to get down the tree. The reality is you're stuck, but I'm going to change that reality. I'm going to rescue you, and we're going to come down the tree. And so we have all sorts of threshold moments that happen in our lives. But sometimes it can be accompanied by fear. Because at a threshold moment, there's an opportunity, but there's also a threat. And so for Timothy, he's asked, do you want to come on a journey with Paul? And he's well-respected, and he's well-known. And his life is going to change completely. He's going to have to step out of his comfort zone in order to experience something new and different. And as I was pre preparing today, I felt like there are some of us in the room who are maybe at a place where either you need to make a big decision or something in your life is going to change, or you keep circling around. It's like you come up to that threshold, that moment of change and transformation. Am I going to change? Am I going to go forward or am I going to go back? And maybe you're circling around. And what we need to realize is that thresholds are never destinations. You never really say, come on, we're going to hang out at the step on the door. You don't welcome somebody to your house and say, listen, we're just going to stay on the step here, neither in nor out. It's not a destination. It's a place of transition. But sometimes for us, when we get stuck in life, they can become a destination that we continue to go round and round in. And so I want to stop this morning. I want to pray. Because if you're in that place, whether it's a good place or a bad place, of feeling like you're on the threshold of something new or something different, I want to pray for you that God will speak to you about that. So let's pray. And God, we thank you that you meet us in all the changes and all the transformations of life, where we move from one place to another. And God, we acknowledge that sometimes with change, there is fear and uncertainty. And so, Lord, I ask that you would speak and reveal your purposes and your ways this morning that you would speak to hearts and minds, you would bring comfort to those who are struggling with change. God, you would bring boldness to those who are eager and anticipating, but there's still that, that nervous fear and excitement. God, we thank you that you're in, in all things, and so we ask you to move this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's focus on Timothy for a few moments. Timothy has to leave behind his comfort and security. He is in the town that he grew up in. He's known, he's loved, he's respected. His family are all around him. And this guy, Paul, comes along and says, let's go on a journey, you and me. We're going to go and we're going to tell people about Jesus. Where he's going to go, how long it's going to take, what they're going to do, that's all up for grabs. And so when we're in a threshold moment, we need to be willing to leave, up, leave our comfort and security. We need to leave, at times, a place where we're known and valued. 
and spoken well of. Timothy was, was well spoken of, and so when he went around his local town, people were like, oh, that's that nice boy, Timothy. But when he goes to another town, if he goes on this journey with Paul, he's suddenly going to become unknown. He's going to find that, that actually people don't give him the respect that they would have given him in his hometown. For Debbie and I, we had to go through this transition and step over this threshold in our lives years ago when we lived up in Belfast. We'd grown up there all of our lives. We'd been part of um, a church. We had family who were nearby. We'd spent actually a couple of years getting the house that we wanted and getting it all done up. And we, we were sitting in our nice house in East Belfast with a view of Stormont with a two-year-old baby and another one on the way family around the corner, everything was great. Everything was just as it should be. But God stirred our hearts, and we had to get to the point where we had to be willing to give all of that up, lay all of that down, to step in to the next thing that God had for us. And it was going to cost us something. And what we find very often when there are threshold moments in our lives is that we have to count the cost we have to be willing to count the cost. And so for Timothy, the cost was, you're going to leave your family and your, and your friends and your mom and, and, and your circle uh, of influence. You're going to leave your reputation behind because you don't have a reputation anymore because nobody knows you. You're going to have to leave all that. And poor Timothy also had to leave something else behind because he got circumcised. And so he actually had to experience physical pain. And I don't know how that conversation went, the Apostle Paul probably would have went, do you know what, Timothy, it's going to be amazing, absolutely wonderful, incredible. We're going to go on this journey, different towns and villages, going to see the kingdom come, miracles, signs and wonders. And there's just this one wee thing we need to do before we go. And it says that Paul circumcised Timothy himself. So Paul was kind of persuaded, come on on the journey with me, but listen, we need to do this thing. Now, according to the Bible, you're in pain for at least three days after being circumcised, and it's probably a lot more painful if you're an adult. But there is pain in letting go. There is discomfort. We have to be willing to give up something. You know, that was a lifelong decision for Timothy getting circumcised. You can't get, go back from that one. He had to live with that for the rest of his life. It was a, an important decision and it was a sacrificial decision. He didn't have to do that, but he chose to do that because he did not want in any way to be an offense to the gospel being preached where people did not know Jesus. And so for us too, if God is going to move us into a new place, into a new season in life, we need to be willing to count the cost. Um, and uh, John Wimber uh, said this, and this little quote for us, was something that after 10 years of, of running a church, God spoke to us through this um, little quote in particular, um, when we kind of thought, well, what, are we going to do this for another 10 years? And so in, in 2016, I read this quote for the first time. I was like, well, first of all, why have I never heard this quote before, ever? Um, and secondly, oh my goodness, that really makes a lot of sense. And it says, remember, the economy of the kingdom is simple. Every time we cross, come to cross a new threshold, it costs us everything we now have. Every new step may cost us all the reputation and security we've accumulated up to that point. It costs us our life. And so, this is one of the key things about the kingdom of God is that 
for us to step into the next thing that God has for us, we have to be willing to give up everything that we have gained until that point, whether it's financial, whether it's reputation or friends, whatever it is, it's all up for grabs. And this quote actually comes from Scripture. Um, and uh, the Bible says this in, in Matthew 13, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Two very different scenarios, uh, and but they don't have the same outcome. Um, but it's a willingness to give up whatever we have for a greater treasure that God is calling us to. So what's very interesting about this passage, and I didn't notice this the first dozen times that I read it, is that the guy who um, sells everything to buy the field gets a better deal than the guy who buys the, who buys the pearl because the guy who finds treasure hidden in a field, right? He, he, at the end, he has what? He has a field and he has treasure. The guy that, sa that sells everything that he has uh, for uh, a pearl has what in the end? A pearl. What else does he have? Nothing, because he sold everything to buy the pearl. Now, if I was one of those two people, I'd rather be the guy with the field and the treasure than the guy with the pearl, because you can't eat a pearl. You can't live in a pearl. He has nothing except a pearl. It's only worth something to him because he's a pearl merchant. So um, what am I trying to say in that? <laughs> That's a weird um, thing. But what I suppose is fascinating about it is we have to count the cost. What do we decide is worth giving our lives for? And if we give it all up and we have Jesus, is that enough? Is that enough for us? And some of us might end up with some treasure and a field, and some of us might end up with a pearl. But is it worth it? Because a pearl merchant recognized the value of what he had. Do we recognize the value of God above all other things, or are other things always going to get in the way? So I'll read you a few uh, words from a song. Uh, I'll not sing it. Um, by Wren Collective, and it says, I'm saying yes to you and no to my desires. I'll leave myself behind and follow you. I'll walk the narrow road because it leads me to you. I'll fall, but grace will pick me up again. I do not need safety as much as I need you. You're dangerous, but Lord, you're beautiful. I'll chase you through the pain. I'll carry my cross because real love is not afraid to bleed. Jesus, take my all. Take my everything. I've counted up the cost, and you're worth everything. And so for us to step into the next thing that God has for us, to step over the threshold, the cost must be counted. But also what we need to give up is control. So Timothy steps over the threshold, and he has to give up control. Because he doesn't know where he's going, how he's going to get there, what it's going to look like, will he have a place to sleep, will there be enough food, all the kind of things that I've been thinking, 
I don't even need to think about those things when I'm at home, I'm in my normal environment, but suddenly he's out on the road with Paul and anything can happen. Am I going to be safe? I would imagine by that stage in Paul's ministry, when Paul told stories about what happened to him and how he got beat up and left for dead and thrown over a wall to get out of a, out of a city, but the idea of being invited on a journey with Paul would be quite a dangerous one. Your mum would be saying, do you know what? He's a lovely man. He's a really lovely man. Like He says a lot of really good things, but he tends to attract a lot of trouble. Maybe, like, could you not go, like Barnabas, you could hang out with Barnabas, he's an encourager, he's a, he's a nice man, isn't he? He's always encouraging people. He doesn't get into as many fights as Paul, but um, you've got to give up control. So when everything is known and familiar, we can control our lives and our environments. Um, it's comfortable, it's manageable. As humans, um, we, we need seasons of, of our environments being in control. We, we like to manage things. Um, but in the Christian journey, tackling our desire to control is really important. See, control in, in itself is not always a bad thing. We have to manage, control our eating, our spending, the amount of sleep we get, the amount of TV we watch, the amount of energy we expend, all that kind of stuff. You know, control is important at times. But control, obviously, can also be a negative force when we um, seek to manage and manipulate other people and circumstances, control is extremely dangerous. This type of control comes from a place of fear and brokenness. But when we step out and over the threshold into the new thing that God has for us, we find we can no longer control things. And what control starts to get to is something even more important. And that is lordship. See, it's often said that we want Jesus as saviour. We want the rescue, the assurance of salvation, the idea of heaven. But we still kind of want to be the boss of our own lives. When God speaks, we have to answer the question, who is in control? Who is Lord of my life? Do I give my yes to everything that Jesus wants me to do? Or am I holding back? And there's a real challenge in that because when we're put in the circumstance or the situation where stepping over the threshold is a really scary thing, we suddenly realize who's in control. Is it me? Or do I trust Jesus that in this new season, in this new event or the decision I have to make or a new career that, that God has spoken, if God is going to cause me sell everything that I have and move to another town or city to tell people about him. Who's in control? And um, the statement, Jesus is Lord, as I think we talked about a few weeks ago, is subversive and countercultural. It was in those days because in a Roman-occupied area, you would have heard the term Caesar is Lord a lot. And so the early church very often said, Jesus is Lord as a counter to that. It's not Caesar that makes everything happen and everything good and safe and, uh, and, and all that, but Jesus. Jesus is Lord. He is king. He's the boss. And in our culture, I believe that Jesus is Lord is still subversive. It's still radical because in our culture, we wouldn't say it like this necessarily, but I believe that one of the primary things in our culture is that I am Lord. In our culture, we worship self. 
Another way we worship self is to worship celebrity. Because we don't just worship celebrity, we want to be them. We want to be an idolized version of self. Something that other people would look at and want. But the worship and the care of self and the lifting up of self the, the, feeds into things like consumerism as well. And we see that as long as we're okay, as long as we're doing okay, as long as our needs are being met, then we're happy. Self, self, self. We live in such a self-censored culture. But Jesus is Lord. You are not Lord. I am not Lord of my own life. He is Lord. He's the boss. It's one of the most difficult things that people face when we talk to them about coming to faith. Will you come and give your life to Jesus? What does that mean? You're not the boss of your own life anymore. That's what that means. Some of us get to the point where we're like, that's such a relief because I'm not making particularly a good job of being the boss of my life. But something within us doesn't want to give up control. But Jesus as Lord is so important for us to step over any threshold and into a new thing that God has for us, whatever that looks like. Because whether we're afraid, whether we think we can't do it or not, he's still Lord. He requires that response. And so we step out and we believe We put our hope, our faith, our trust in him, and we step forward. And so let's get back into our passage, and um, it goes a bit further. So um, Paul and his companions, and you know, uh, actually, before I was preaching this sermon, I thought there's a lot of really difficult names in this. How am I going to even read this? But I'm going to give them a best shot, all right? Um, Paul and his companions traveled through the region of that word. I'm going to go for... Anybody else want to have a go at it? Phrygia? See, see, none of you can get it right either. And Galatia, uh, having been kept uh, by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. And they came to the border of Mysia. They tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed to, by Mysia and went down to Troas. Anybody? Troas? Would we go for that? Yeah. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man uh, of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. There's a great wee phrase which says, you can't steer a ship unless it's moving. And that is very true. The rudder of a ship, you can turn it any direction you want, but unless it's moving, you're not going to change direction. And so what we do see in this journey is they started off on the journey. But twice the Holy Spirit says, no, I don't want you to go there. I want you to go here. And then they have a vision, and they're going to go somewhere else. As the Holy Spirit leads. And in our lives, when we're stepping into a new thing, quite often what we're looking for is the equivalent of satnav for our life. Um, and do you remember pre-satnav, you had to do this little thing where when you were going on a, lo- a long journey, you would go on to the, uh, your computer, probably a PC at the time, and you would type in where you wanted to go, and then you would get a big list of instructions, and you would print it out. And so somebody would sit in the car, and they would go, 
A5, drive for three miles, turn right at this junction, and you would literally have it all stepped out um, in detail. And so actually, whoever it was that was with you was the equivalent of sat-nav, except with less patience, sitting beside you saying, turn right here, turn right, no! And, and instead of saying recalculating, they would just get really annoyed. And that does not happen. But it's kind of what we want to happen. And so sometimes we can be paralyzed. We can be standing on the threshold going, where are the instructions from God about where we're going to go, how we're going to get there, how all these things are going to add up? And maybe you get one or two instructions, as these guys did. But it's only on the journey that the Holy Spirit started to redirect their path. They decided, let's go down and, and teach in, in, in the different churches that we've been to. And it says the Holy Spirit prevented them from, from going to the province of Asia. And then the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to go to a certain town. And so they passed by. And then they had a dream. And so at each point in this new reality, they're finding that God is speaking and they know what the next part of the journey is, how it lies ahead. And so it's almost like they're, they're, they're reaching these threshold points of, what are we going to do now? God has said this. Well, let's step into this reality. Let's move forward. And so that was probably fine when they were on foot and going from one town to another. And then Paul goes and ruins it all by having a dream with somebody in Macedonia. And so again, they reach a, a threshold moment where they had this dream about Macedonia. And you're like, great, fantastic. So we're going to have to go on it to a different country and a different culture. We're going to have to find a different mode of transport. We're going to get, have to get into a, uh, a boat. There are probably going to be some language barriers. We don't know anybody in Macedonia. And again, they step forward from that threshold. They make a decision and they go because God has said, God has spoken. But they don't have the book of Acts. They don't know that already God has placed some people in Macedonia who are going to be there. They don't know in a way, but they do know in another way because they have been on a journey and a continued series of journeys of responding to what the Holy Spirit has been saying as they have been led. And so they know when we go there, God will have prepared a way. We don't know what that's going to look like yet, but there will be something. There will be someone. There will be opportunity because we know that from the past. We have experienced that historically. And so as we enter new decisions in our lives and we step over new thresholds, we look to the past and we remember, well, this is what God did then. This is what God did. This is what God did. Uh, and in fact, a Jewish child is still even to this day taught the history of the Old Testament in the first person. So they're told when we were in exile in Egypt, God led us out he led us into the desert. He led us through the Red Sea. God gave us manna from heaven. God kept us and was with us. They learn it in the first person because God's history, God's people's history, is our history too. We lean on that. And we do that, don't we? You know, if we're trying to figure out what to do, we'll go to the Bible and we'll read somebody else's story and how God was faithful to them, and we will appropriate that for ourselves. We'll say, well, God did this for that person. God did this in that circumstance, and God is true, and he, he doesn't change, and, and I put my faith and trust in him and in his scriptures, and I believe him. And so I take 
God's story, I take the history of my story, I add those things together, and that gives me the faith to believe that I'm going to step into the unknown, but it's on the basis of the fact that God is faithful. And so I don't know what's going to happen next, but I know that God is going to be there in those moments. And so there's just one of Al's little maps, but um, they're going from somewhere near Antioch right over to Macedonia. Um, they, were, uh, they probably were closer to Troas by that stage, but they're still having to cross over into another landmass, actually into kind of, if you like, mainland Europe for the first time. <coughs> so we have to be willing to step into the unknown, and that is um, faith. How do we spell faith? Good people, good people. Can't spell, but great people. Faith is spelled R-I-S-K because that's what faith is, is taking a risk. John Wimber um, came up with that little phrase. But it's about risk. And unless there's an element of risk, it's not faith. It's pretty much a, a certainty. Faith has to look like you putting your foot across the threshold and going, I'm not really sure what's going to happen here. I'm not sure but I know that God is with me, and there's an element of risk, because things could go wrong. Things might not go the way you think. We step into a new adventure, and we think, yeah, God's called me to go here and to do this, and then someone gets sick, or the job that you thought you were going to have falls through. But God said, and if God said, then God is going to be with you. The circumstances can't dictate your reality, although we do find that, don't we, that we feel like the circumstances are saying to us, oh, you got it completely wrong there. And so we have to ask in those moments, where is God? And that's what um, Paul and the guys did. And so um, we have to embrace the adventure. Adventure is a great word because adventure leaves lots of opportunity and lots of room to make mistakes for things not to really work out for things to go wrong. It takes the pressure off us when God invites us into the adventure of life with him. Come and go on this adventure. We don't know exactly what's going to happen, but God is going to be with us. It's going to be okay. Jesus is with me. And what we need to do when things go wrong is to remember in the darkness what God promised in the light. In any adventure, there will be dark times and there will be difficult times. There will be times when we don't know what's going on. And uh, it's so important that in those times, we remind ourselves, because dark times will come, difficulties will come. Uh, I will not have time to go into it specifically today, but in this story a little bit later, um, the guys get beaten up and put in prison. What happened to the vision about going to Macedonia and preaching to um, the people about Jesus? When they go and actually they get beat up and put in prison. It says that Paul and Silas sang and worshiped God in those moments in prison because they were remembering in the darkness what God had said in the light. Do you remember that God gave us that dream? that vision of the man in Macedonia. Do you remember how the Holy Spirit said this and, and went here and went there? And do you remember what the Holy Spirit did here and there? We remember our history becomes really important because when we stepped into the new thing of God, things don't always work out the way that we would necessarily think. 
And so this little uh, quote from Rick Warren, I think, is really helpful. There is no growth without change, no change without fear or loss, and no loss without pain. We would love it if every new threshold, if every new decision, if every new place that we stepped into was wonderful and amazing. But life is just not like that. It can be difficult. But if we're going to grow and be changed and be transformed, we've got to realize there is no growth without change. No change without fear or loss, and no loss without pain. And so for somebody like Timothy in our story, for him to grow, for him to become the person who was going to lead a church at a young age and have to deal with all sorts of difficulties. And so we have two letters written by Paul to Timothy advising him. This is a process that needs to happen. But it needs to be for us as Christians an ongoing, continual process of experiencing change and transformation in our lives, of stepping into the new thing that God has called us to do, who he has called us to be. Because we are on a mission. We are a movement of people who are moving forward, bringing God's kingdom, seeing lives changed and transformed. So we're on the move. And because we're on the move, we have to change. And because we have to change, things are going to be painful and difficult at times. That is normal. The norm of the church is always movemental. It's never static. It's never about getting to this place where everything's just going to be okay and everything's going to be quiet and peaceful. Now, there are seasons for that. After um, Paul and Silas were, were thrown in prison and got out again, they went to Lydia's house to rest and recuperate. You can read that, and we'll maybe talk about that next week a bit. But that was so they could get back on the road and move again. And so... What I would love for us to do as we kind of come to a close of this part this morning is to think, what season of life am I in? Where am I at this moment in time? What is God doing in my life? Am I on a threshold? Am I stepping forward into a new thing or a new reality? Have I been on a threshold, the same threshold a couple of times and I'm never really fully stepping forward? Am I trying to go back, go back to where it's comfortable and where I can manage the environment? But actually, God's calling me forward. Now, this is not a talk about movement because we're having to move physically as a church, okay? Because you know what? That's really just a small little thing, what building we happen to be in. It's, it's important in some ways because whatever building that is, we want to see God's kingdom come in it. But it's more important that we wrestle with the season of life that we are in, maybe some of the key decisions that we need to make in our lives and how we're going to step forward, step over that threshold into a new reality, what that might look like for you. So it might be a physical thing. It might be God's calling you to a different place. It might be that God's calling you to step you just know that God is calling you to step forward in some way in life, that there's change and that you need to actually step over that threshold. But whatever that is, what we need to realize is that God has been faithful in the past. And if you look in your past, I'm sure you see life's up and downs. You know those dark times where you had to remember what God did in the light or what God said. 
we look back and we build on our life experience, our journey with God, but we all will come again and again to these threshold moments. And what moment are you at, at this time in your life? What threshold do you need to step over? What risk do you need to take? And even if you have messed up, and let me get right back around to a little guy called John Mark, who Paul wouldn't even take with him because he had run away. Later on, we read actually in 2 Timothy 4, um, Paul says, um, can you bring Mark with you because he's been very helpful to me in my ministry. And so there was some kind of reconciliation there and Mark was back on track. And in fact, he, he maybe just needed a bit of help and so Barnabas brings him on his journey. We don't really know what that looks like, but we do know the, the output of it, the fruit of it was that um, Paul saw Mark as someone who was reliable and trustworthy. And so when we feel, when we've messed up, when, we, when things didn't work out the way we thought we, we had, and we kind of just push that to the side and we think, the next time one of those thresholds comes up or those opportunities comes up, I made a, a mistake last time. I'm not going to step over. I'm just going to stay here where it's comfortable. Can I just encourage you, if that's you this morning, and you're looking back at your life and you think, I made a mistake, I failed, I lost my chance, I blew it. That's not the voice of God for you. You have, in fact, a really good experience, a learning environment. It mightn't have felt particularly good. It actually was really painful. But from that, God will take the learning from that to, to make you the person that you need to be to step into the next thing with him. And um, if, if we're going to see revival come, which we kind of have been praying about, then we're going to have to get used to stepping from our comfort zones into the unknown, into the unknown in our experience with God and the Holy Spirit, into the unknown in terms of being called to see his kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It has to be a normal thing in a revival environment and a revival culture. We as a church, yes, we're, we're on this journey of we're going to have to go to the town hall for a season because God's going to provide another place for us to go. But as we step over that threshold and as we go into the, a new building, as we change the dynamic of, of the way we are um, as a church, God is going to be with us. We're going to see his kingdom come. New opportunities are going to arise. Different relationships are going to, to happen because we're stepping over that threshold in faithfulness, knowing that God has called us He's moving us. He will take us the next step. And as we move, then we will see the next steps ahead. Because we, like, actually can't stay here any longer. We can't stay in this moment. We have to step out and step over. So maybe our journey as a church parallels some experiences in your life where you know you're at that point and you're going to step into a new reality. Um, the band are going to to come up. We're going to take communion this morning. And so if you feel like you need to respond to this message, one of the ways that we can do that is through communion, just as we're worshiping. Whereas when you take these emblems, you remember what Jesus did at the cross. You remember that your life is not your own, that it was paid for with a price by the blood of Jesus, by his body broken. 
Uh, and I would encourage you to use communion this morning as a, as a way of committing yourself to stepping forward into the new thing that God has for you or into the change or transformation that you feel is ahead of you. But let's stand and we'll worship together. <laughs>